is more than just getting numbers. Lots of people like to share their passion with others. Thank you for tuning in to Hannah and Eric Go Birding, a podcast by birders for birders. I'm Hannah, and he's Eric. And we created this podcast to share adventures, sometimes misadventures, and opinions that we have on birding topics. We're definitely not experts in anything that we discuss that might be controversial. We want you to remember there are our own opinions, and they might be different from yours. So it's hailing. I don't. You could probably hear that on the recording. Probably. It literally, as soon as we hit record, the wind kicked up, and the hail started hitting the windows, and it's like just starting to dump down rain right now out there. It's been a very exciting first couple days, well, first couple <laughs> days, um, very exciting November weather-wise for That's us. That's the first couple days of the middle of November. Of the middle, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it, we've had our winter storms kick in, and our first set of king tides were the other day, which is the highest tides of the year. And uh, that's always really exciting and yeah. wild to go check out. And oh, we yeah. were hoping some pelagics would, um, you know, get blown in, but we didn't really see much. And there some probably was a, there was probably a lot out there. We just um, the, because of the storm at the same time and the rain, it's just it's hard to get out there and actually be able to see. <laughs> it's hard to get out there and not be miserable standing on the point oh. watching. The <laughs> yeah, but the waves. so the the king tides. Um, it's the we have we have three three sets of king tides each year, um, November, December, and January. Tides come in cycles. If you don't know like about tides. They're related to the moon. It's you. It's a lot of it's based on how the moon's pulling and the sun's pulling in two different directions. We'll find some really boring stuff. article and throw it in the yeah, show notes. It'll be really exciting. But they, it comes in cycles. So over the month, the the high tides get higher and the low tides get lower, and then it kind of goes in a cycle where they go up and then down. And so November, December, and January is when they reach like the highest of the high. So that's that's where we're at right now. The last couple of days were the highest in November, and then. December will have some, and January will have some. So it'll be super, super crazy high tides, and they have tons of like, like really like high danger and like excitement involved with these tides that are a lot higher than normal. They're increasingly more intense every year because of climate change yeah. and you know the melting of the polar ice caps and all that. So there's more water in the ocean, which you know is causing things like flooding of islands. Um, during high tides and mm -hmm. also in our area you know we're talking a lot about how those king tides and the high water is uh, impacting some of our human-made infra infrastructure there's a couple towns near here that when there's a that a river runs next to them you know that flows out to the ocean and during the high tides the downtowns that are associated with those rivers uh, those flood and so they're you know not passable so that's something that um, we chat a lot about in our neck of the woods yeah well and like we can't like if there's they've repaired the road in between us and the next town north of us um they've raised it up like two or three feet um so it's kind of like on a berm now but before any every year during the king tides the water would come up and the, it would be pouring down rain because it happens in the winter um it'd be pouring down rain the water would come up and the road would be completely underwater we, we wouldn't be able to pass north to seaside that's not or the only versa. reason that the only change though no they introduced beavers That's into true. the floodplain yeah. and so beavers have done what beavers do and now they're able they they've uh, well they, they reintroduced beavers. they did yeah. yeah beavers used to be here pretty abundant and then humans so 
Yeah. They reintroduced beavers. <laughs> <laughs> and so they've repaired a lot of the floodplains, so it flows a lot um, more consistently, I guess. Or, you know, it's, it, it's it slowed down. The, yeah. It kind of more evens out the flooding events. I guess that's so, like, what when, I when it's about. pouring down rain a lot, it'll slow the water down so it doesn't all come as one giant rushing flow. Um, so, yeah, so that's what's going on around here. So, another um, interesting thing is that there's been a snowy owl that showed up in Seattle. We yeah. might have talked about it in the last episode because it was at the beginning of November. But it has, there's been more and more sightings and it's actually kind of, uh, been, chosen its own neighborhood. Now. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so it's been more consistently seen in one, um, particular area of Seattle. Yeah. So we, because we're, because we're mentioning it and because we love owls, there's kind of two things that we wanted to mention about the respect for this thing. So be super respectful of the owl itself. Like you're, as as far as we can tell, it's being seen like on the top of roofs. And a lot of people want to go see these birds. Yeah. So I mean, we don't necessarily want to say like, don't go look for it. Yeah. No, it's it. You people can look for it, you, but you can you can do it respectfully. You can you can stay away from the owl. Give the, it its space. Exactly. Give give it its space. Make it so that it doesn't even know you're there. If if it if as with any owl or any bird of prey, if it looks like it's noticed you, you're too close. You should you should be backing off and. Especially if you want to take photos and you want to be respectful and let this owl do its thing. Sure. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to mention is because it's in a neighborhood that people live in and they may not necessarily be birders, like be respectful and don't be put pointing your scopes or your binoculars or cameras. In bathroom windows. Into bathroom windows or, or yeah. whatever. It's Be, be respectful. And um, I think I saw somewhere online that um, somebody was going, to, was going to contact. There was like one particular house that it was kind of hanging around for the I most part. I don't know, part. Ebert's down, so, I know. you know. <laughs> um, Ebert's down, but, but there's one house in particular, I think somebody was going to contact that homeowner and talk to them about uh, about what's going on. Can we get I, you I a think hotel it was a room Se- for a couple nights? <laughs> Maybe it was a Seattle Audubon that was going to contact it. I, I don't know, I, I, I remember yeah. seeing something on Facebook about uh, contacting the person whose house um, it seemed to be preferring. Well, and you know, it only takes one, like, bad... One bad egg to... Well, yeah, I was going to say, one <laughs> nefarious person yeah. to go and ruin it for everybody. And, you know, if homeowners or someone is getting, you know, anxious or upset about it, like, please be respectful of that because you don't want to be that person that ruins it for everybody. Yeah. Well, and, and I know 99.99% of birders that are going to go out there are going to be respectful. But, yeah, totally. But for the, for those that aren't, just just do it. Just be just, respectful. Just be a nice person. <laughs> of both the owl and the, and the neighborhood. Seriously. Yeah. So that's um, super cool, and we yeah. saw some just fantastic pictures of it recently. Um, so I want to go see it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that happened, and then also um, the Rio Grande Valley Birding Festival, the virtual one, was last week. Mm-hmm. Um, so of course, you know it was a little bit modified, but they did have like lunch hours in which you could win prizes and chat with some of the guides. Um, they had speakers, um, like Jeff from COA, mm-hmm. he was speaking about, you know, digiscoping and some other things like that. They had some optics shows they, where they kind of showed off some cool, cool gadgets and gizmos that uh, the different optic companies are using and selling. They also had um, videos from the different uh, sites that we usually go on on field trips. That, yeah, so that's super fun. So, so you got to like get walkthroughs of like Asteriano Grande and Laguna Atascosa. And there's there's a couple of pretty cool videos that they put together. I think uh, King Ranch put together a video mm-hmm. too. So um, lots of cool different little things that they have, and it's all currently still live on Facebook. So you can go um, you can go back and go watch those semi archived videos. Um, 
on Facebook and see see what the whole festival is about and get your get your dates all planned for next year when fingers crossed we can actually all go all go down there to the Rio Grande Valley and have some fun looking at subtropical birds. And we were um, for the kind of end of the festival thing they they played a game the American Birding Association put it on called Harlingen Squares which is very much like Hollywood Squares it's, it's a play on the game yeah and um, they asked <laughs> us to be a square so we did that and that is also available on their website or yeah. on their Facebook on if their you want to check page, it out yeah. um, and we'll, we'll include a link to the um, the Rio Grande Valley Birding Festival Facebook page in the show notes for this so you guys can Go to that and see see what happened at the festival this year. Watch us make our idiots of ourselves playing a game that yeah. I've never watched. <laughs> <laughs> so, there's that. There's that. And like Hannah said a few minutes ago, um, eBird has been down. Um, no! It's it's down, so we don't know we don't know where that snowy owl is exactly. We don't we don't <laughs> we know in the right what, time. Exactly. Go. We don't we don't know what rare birds are in our county. We don't know what needs are coming up, but. But it should be it should be up by the time this episode comes out. Yeah. Um, as long so, as everything goes to according to their plan. I hope you all made it through um, carefully and yeah. well, and you know had your right in the rain ready to go if you needed that. They also, um, I was looking at it this morning and said that they, you know how they do the drawings for you know eBird of the mm-hmm. week or whatever eBird of, of the, the month. month. Yeah. Um, they were going to be taking drawings this month out of those who saved. Um, checklists and then submitted them when it came back on. Oh, really? Sub- yeah. Submitted. I, I wonder if they can tell if the list was made. Or it might have just oh, been people who made it during those days. It, it would probably. It would probably. They'd probably be able to correlate the fact that the list is alive. You you did it um, with tracking on, uh, maybe. and then submitted it with tracking for a day that it was down. I don't exactly know. That's probably how they'd be able to do that. Yeah. Well. Good. 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 <laughs> Anyways. The other thing yeah. um, that we want to mention is about doing Christmas bird counts. So this is, uh, we're about a month out from when Christmas bird counts start. Mm-hmm. And so if you normally do them, you might want to look into your local count and see if they've made a decision on whether they're doing it or not, or if they have, what sort of restrictions they have. Um, just real quick, the the Audubon, you know, the National Audubon Society, they're the one who administer the Christmas bird count and yeah. manage it. They posted on their um website you know it's normally january or uh, december 14th through january 5th every year and as far as they feel you know the the christmas bird count is happening this year but it's just to the level of you know every cbc's manager to figure it out so they said that uh please note that I, I don't feel like that. it's not that they're throwing it and saying you, you just need to figure it out that's it's, not what I meant. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, they're not saying it like that. They're saying that the there's nothing specifically about a Christmas bird count that can preclude it from being able to happen in terms of COVID. But there are measures that need to be taken, and people on the local level need to follow those rules. Yeah, so yeah. They, they just said that, please note the COVID-19 pandemic will affect CBC participation pending local restrictions because every you know city and state is Different. managing things differently. Um that may affect the guidelines and whether or not uh, CBCs will happen everywhere. So there's links you can go to check out, and we'll include those in the show notes about, um, you know, just the master lists and the master things. Mm-hmm. But looking at our local Audubon Society, the Portland Audubon, they, um, oh, eBird's up. <laughs> <laughs> I just, just got to know that eBird is back. 
So just ignore what we said a few minutes ago yeah, about ig- ignore, Ebert. <laughs> ignore us about uh, that Ebert was down because now it's back and everything's <laughs> everything's right with the world. <laughs> uh, anyways, so our Portland Audubon, they've made some changes. They're still going forward with having the CBC, but they're asking that everyone, you know, just maintain physical distancing space and make sure everyone is wearing a mask. They're limiting the group sizes to six people who comprise no more of two households, which are our current you know, Oregon, Mm -hmm. um, restrictions and maintaining distance, face masks. They're asking people not to share optics, including their spotting scopes. Don't carpool outside those that you've, you know, been in close contact with and that they also may change those, um, and get stricter as we get closer. But that's, you know, dependent on what the state of Oregon does and, you know, the county and all that stuff. Yeah. Because the, Count time doesn't. Look, we're, we're current in Oregon. We're currently in a two-week freeze that starts to um, the 18th today. Yeah. Um, and so two weeks will be up before the CBC starts. So we'll. So things may or may not change as we get closer. They might get stricter. They might get looser. But it's they. They wanted everyone wants to put out their restrictions now as this is the minimum of what's going to be required. I think it's funny though on here um, on the National Audubon Society, it has, you know, questions about CBC participation. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions that they post is, can I just do my own CBC and send you any data? And they're <laughs> like, no, it needs to be like a standard CBC. So I just know that there's going to be people who are pissed that their CBC is not happening. And they're like, fine, I'm just going to go do it myself. And <laughs> so I'm sure that's what that um, what, question... Why that question's at the top of the FAQ right now? <laughs> yeah, I just think that's funny. I, I can I can see that. I mean, like we were talking about before we started recording, that um, like realistically, in terms of um, like granular level data, what you submit to eBird is typically more specific and more narrowed down than the stuff that's submitted to the CBC because mm-hmm. you're, you're submitting data for a, the full 15 mile diameter circle. So you're not submitting for something that's possibly as small as um, one a one by one kilometer square. Yeah. But, yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> it, it, you need, if you're submitting data to one scientific project, you need to follow that project's rules. Yeah. You, you can't just submit whatever data you want. It's they, they have guidelines, and that's the reason their data is the way it is. So, so anyways, yeah. <laughs> uh, moving on. Uh, so our last little piece of news is uh, November 27th is Opt Outside. Mm-hmm. REI created that event to try to get people out and moving on um, what would normally be Black Friday, yeah. uh, which is, you know, a day of discounts and consumerism. And get out there and shop, 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 shop. We thought it was just an American, like, hol- <laughs> I'm, I'm doing quote-unquote holiday. Yeah, it's, the but, finger quotes again in this episode. Sorry. They're, when, they're, they're big on this episode. But when today. we were in Singapore, <laughs> I didn't do it earlier. No, you didn't. You did it in a different episode, though. Yeah, I did. <laughs> but when we were in Singapore a couple years ago, we saw Black Friday, like, ads all over the place. And, like, normally, you know, in the U.S., like, Black Friday occurs after Thanksgiving. And um, we were just, like, shocked because it's like, Singapore doesn't have our Thanksgiving. If they have Thanksgiving, it's not. What are the chances it's on our same day? Yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, it's it's not a... It's not a worldwide holiday. Yeah. So anyways, um, if you get a chance on November 27th, go out and opt outside. Yeah. So over the last couple of weeks, uh, no new reviews. No. But we did have a couple of people listen to our last episode. A few. Um, the top listenership was uh, from Lake Stevens, Washington. Which I think they've been top for a couple episodes a now. Couple, so a couple thanks for checking us out, Lake Stevens. Yeah, Lake Stevens, thanks. And then Seattle, Washington. They got that owl to listen, I guess. And they're... <laughs> 
They're they're getting in there. They're they're keeping that number two listenership there. Somebody please Photoshop headphones on an owl <laughs> for me. <laughs> yeah, s- send us a picture of that owl listening to us. Yep. You will win a sticker, a holographic sticker. A holographic I'll send you sticker, a holographic yeah. sticker if you send me a picture of the snowy owl with headphones listening to Hannah and Erica Birding. Yeah. Anyways, um, this episode is um, is an interview episode. We talked um, to one of uh, one of the people we follow on, on Twitter. We follow follow him quite a bit. Uh, coach Pack. Mm-hmm. He is a um, track coach who is. Uh, and an educator too. And an educator too, yeah. And he he and his daughter have been on a quest this year to get her to three hundred species of birds seen in her first year of birding. So it's it was a fun it was episode. A super, yeah. Um yeah, we followed Coach Pack for a while and Eric loves his videos. He's got a great <laughs> weightlifting video um he, I, he posted a couple weeks ago it was hilarious it was this skinny guys on arm day w- w- walking around and he's got he's got his little uh, dinosaur arms and it's, it's hilarious yeah it's pretty good yeah so we'll make sure to um put his twitter feed in uh, or the the twitter a link, a link to his twitter url yeah. yeah so you can follow him too um but coach pack is just really positive and he gets his daughter out there and goes birding and you know they post great great videos Mm -hmm. and it's just so much fun to see um you know how covid has has inspired him to you know get his daughter out and birding and it's something that they can share together which is really cool um he shared with us after the interview that normally she'd be doing softball and lacrosse in addition to you know school and so that's not really an option at the moment so Mm -hmm. he you know, gets her out there birding, and I think he called it birder size, um, <laughs> exercising birding. <laughs> I guess I guess I miss him say birder size. That's funny. If he didn't, um, I made it up. <laughs> or maybe he put it in his Twitter somewhere. Maybe maybe that's where he saw it. Yeah. So I I just thought I thought it was exciting that like his his daughter's into this competitive like listing birding, and I think I think that's super exciting that it's not just like some some people are competitive, some people aren't competitive. It's everyone birds in a different way. Some. Mm-hmm. From your backyard, when you're out, just listing like you crazy, listing a little bit. Yeah, we talked about this a million times, like the, the million different ways that you can bird and be a birder. That's the name of our book: <laughs> a million different ways to bird. <laughs> um, no one will read. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I, I totally agree. It's super cool that you know she's 13 and she's getting out there and like competitively birding. Mm-hmm. Like you know, it's not just to go look at these cool species and you know spend time with her dad, but like she gets into the competitiveness about it, which I think is just super cool. And mm-hmm. you know, is bummed when you don't see your target species. Um, which you know, it's it's great to see girls out there birding, but also you know, it's great to see like somebody who's competitive out there and doing it too, and showing that girls can get it done. Mm-hmm. And you know, like I played softball for a number of years, and mm-hmm. then after you know my career, my softball career was done. Um, I you know didn't really know where to to funnel that competitive energy, and so it's really cool that she's. Um, doing that. I mean, she could definitely go back and play softball, you know, when, yeah. when that's... She's, she's only 13. There's lots of softball ahead of her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> lots of softball um, and lacrosse ahead of her. But it's, it's really interesting, you know, as I was thinking about it, like that competitive drive and the athleticism that it takes to, to go birdie in some mm-hmm. cases, you know, you got to hike a long way, um, yeah. to see some species or, you know, there's different ways to bird, like you said. Yeah. Or, or just like, like you said, like the athleticism, like get, getting up at three in the morning, and just the not I guess not athleticism, but like the dedication mm-hmm. that it takes. Like that's very I feel like that's closely related to 
do competitively doing athletics. There's a lot of dedication that's involved and like, you're going to get out there. Even when you're tired, you're going to go out there in the, in birding. If you like, if you're competitive in birding and you want to be competitive and you want to do this, then yeah, you, 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 be you, you, you keep it. pushing yourself and you keep, you st- you stay dedicated and stuff. So yeah, that's, 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 that's exciting to see someone that's young, especially, especially a young girl that's, re- that's really into that. Cause it's like generally usually only see like dudes, like young, gu- young guys or older guys that are competitive like this. And it's nice to see that yeah, and everyone can be competitive. Everyone can. Not, everyone. <laughs> not to say that there aren't competitive women. Oh, no. Yeah, women. yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, because, I mean, I I feel like I've kind of proven that, that there's competitive women out there birding. Yeah. And even, you know. With well, my, your, your whole team, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, with my um, Champions of the Flyway team or even, you know, some of the women that I interview in my podcast. Like, women can be competitive, too. You just don't always see them up on the top of the charts, like, um, the big year, you know, that was three men. Yeah. And so I really hope, you know, that maybe Peyton, if she decides to stick with it, that she could be up at the top of the charts too someday. Oh yeah, for sure. So, so, so anyways, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, was, that was a big long introduction for coach pack and his daughter. Um, but yeah, go ahead and sit back and listen to coach pack and, uh, Peyton. Okay, well, awesome. Thank you guys so much for joining us, Quinn and Peyton. Please, would you tell us about yourself and, you know, how did you get started in birding and where you live and all that stuff? Um, well, I guess I'll start because I'm, I'm the older birder. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm actually from Maryland. Um, I live in Colorado now, and she was born in Colorado, so she's, she's a Coloradan. But I got started... Um, about, I think, 25, 26 years ago now, um, birding um, on the East Coast when I lived in Maryland. Um, I did a lot of outdoor education. Um, I worked for the National Wildlife Federation at one of their summer camps. And, um, you know, I do a lot in the outdoors, hiking and climbing and and biking and, and that type of stuff. And so birding was just another way for me to enjoy nature. And um, I had a friend that got me into it when I was in North Carolina at the, the summer camp we uh, both worked at. And um, that was back in about oh, 1996 or so. And so um, ever since then, I've just kind of been a birder, some years more than others. But, um, <laughs> but you know, I just kind of kept it going. And, uh, it, you know, people look at me and they go, 25 years? Like, yeah, I've been burning for a long time, even though I'm just, <laughs> just in my 40s, early 40s. So, That's awesome. So, um, and Peyton, how did you uh, decide that you wanted to start looking at birds and enjoying them? Um, well, I'm a Colorado and it hasn't been stated. Um, and even before I started to get into birding, my dad would take us out on hikes and stuff all the time. And he would bird while we were on hiking, while we were hiking. And, you know, one morning he just like woke me up and was like, come on, why don't you come with me this time? And so I was like, yeah, why not? And, you know, here we are. So coach, did you like, so you said you've been birding for about, sorry, we, between us, I like your, your Twitter is coach pack. So I always call you coach right. when I'm talking to Eric about you. <laughs> She, she, she's always like oh you, you'll never guess where 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 they put what bird they coach saw today <laughs> well um so you said you've been birding for about 25 years is that like consistent so have you been birding that whole time or did you have like a break when you had kids or you know it's it's been pretty fairly consistent it's funny the other day you know i've been looking at like numbers more now that she's birding with me 
And so I, I went back to 25 years ago and I, I tracked, well, how many birds did I see every year that were lifers for me? Um, mm -hmm. And I had about four years in a row where um, I, I got one bird a year. It was very interesting. And then I looked at it and I was like, oh, they, I just had had children. And so she's got an older brother who's 15. And so, for, you know, for first four years of their lives, um, you know, when they were toddlers, that just wasn't getting out. That's just life. It happens sure. that way. Yeah. Um, but, you know, pretty fairly consistent. Um, you know, I started my life list in my old National Geographic Birds of North America, and I would just write on the page every time I saw a bird. Uh, so when I started using eBird back in about 2016 or 17, I had to manually <laughs> go in and put, you know, 20 plus years of birds into eBird. Um, which was not an easy task. Um, just the, the the way you have to use their system and put it into a special CSV file, I think it was. It just wasn't easy, but um, but yeah, fairly consistency. It's just always been something that I've I've done um, over the years. So, does your son ever go out go birding with you guys too? Um, he hikes with us and camps with us, but um, he just, you know, it just didn't kind of take to um, to the birding thing. Um, so, um, you know, it's just something that, you know, we get to share together and, and, and that's okay. You know, you don't have to do everything with both kids. And, you know, I have stuff that I do with him, you know, he's a, he's a shot putter. And so, you know, we go to the gym and, you know, we work out together uh, during the week, um, lifting weights and stuff. And that's something that she doesn't do. So, you know, it's cool to have special time that you spare, share with each child separately. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So um, with this uh, with this whole quest for uh, 300, how did uh, how did that all end up getting started? I, you know, I think it was just an arbitrary number, to be honest. <laughs> you know, like she said, I woke her up one morning in early May. You know, it was COVID. Schools was closed. You know, my, my school system was closed. And so I, mm -hmm. you know, I, I didn't have to go to work, essentially. And so I woke her up one Saturday morning and I was like, hey, let's go bird. And we left the house at about 3 a.m. And we birded until about 6 p.m. Um, over five different counties and, you know, a lot of different hot spots. And at the end of the day, she had 70. And that was that was her first day was 70. And so I just kind of arbitrarily went, well, you know, you got 70 in the first day. You know, well, let's throw a number out there. 300 for the year sounds good. Well, why not? Yeah. Well, that's awesome. So what's been like your favorite bird that you guys have seen in the quest for 300? I don't know about mine. Which do you have one? Um, well, I guess we kind of share a favorite bird. Um, the common yellow throat, right? Yeah, like yeah, and that, that's you know that's always been my favorite you know of, of favorite bird, and, and when we finally saw that and got good looks at it, um, you know I don't know if you remember, but way back um, I posted on Twitter she made a bowl um, and um, and painted it like a common yellow throat. So I thought that was the coolest thing. It's sitting up in the cupboard down, and and she uses it for breakfast cereal sometimes. Um, <laughs> But I don't, I don't know if I have a favorite that we've, you know, that we've seen, you know, over these, and today was 309. Mm -hmm. um, she got Tennessee Warbler and Winter Wren today. Um, 
You know, probably for me, I'll tell you which one maybe for me is I would probably go with um, Goal Build Turn for me. That's a good one. Because I, I love Kate May and I bird it every year, multiple times throughout the year. And she got to bird it with me. If we go and spend, the, you know, a week there, you know, at the beach, um, but she had never birded it with me. And so this year she actually birded it with me and I went to a new spot. Um, we went a little bit north up on Cape May to um, uh, Auto Loop. I can't remember the name of the spot off the top of my head right now, um, but it was a great Auto Loop and um, I got Gallwell turned while we were there together. And so that was just a fun, fun trip to experience a new place that I had birded on Cape May and, and a cool bird. Yeah. So in your uh, journey through, you know, you said May to now, so you've been to Cape May and you've birded around Colorado. Where else have you guys been birding? Um, let's see. Um, a lot of spots in Pennsylvania and Maryland um, because okay. that's where I'm from. And so... Um, Familiar spots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the familiar spots in Pennsylvania, Maryland, like my parents, when my, they retired, my dad retired, they moved um, just north into York, Pennsylvania. Um, so it's still essentially Maryland. And, <laughs> and, um, and so we bird a lot of the, the local parks there. Um, Gifford Pinchot is a great state park there in, in York County. Um, we spent some time on the Eastern Shore. I have family that lives on the Eastern Shore of Maryland. So Delaware, Maryland, Virginia, the Delmarva Peninsula, we birded on. Um, so yeah, Chesapeake Bay, uh, Blackwater was awesome. Um, it's one of my favorite places to bird. And so I took her there with me um, this year. So we birded on Blackwater, um, Rehoboth um, in, in that area um, on the other side of Cape May. Um, and even snuck down into New Mexico, I think. Yeah, we got into New Mexico for the European Golden Plover. Um, and... Oh, so do you, you guys, I, I guess I, I wasn't following super close on Twitter. You guys ended up with the European Gold, Golden Plover? We did. We nice. did. We nice. did. It stuck around for about two or three weeks, I think. And so, wow. um, you know, I decided, okay, let's just do it. I mean, it's about a three and a half hour drive, but... Um, it was worth it. It was a fun day. And she got some really good birds that day too. Sandhill cranes, you know, hundreds of them, you know, wow. close, close enough to hear and watch them, you know, um, and peregrine or not peregrine, prairie falcon it flew right over the car as she got out of the car. Um, so that was, that was a, that was a fun day, but yeah. So we've, we've been a, you know, a little bit around here in the West and then, you know, a lot of, a lot of spots on the East coast, um, in, in you know Maryland, Pennsylvania, um, and Philly, I, I love the John Hines uh, National Wildlife Refuge there, right outside of Philly, and we birded there. And she got Baltimore Oriole um, the first time we went there. So it's just, you know we've been a little bit of east and a little bit of west. It's been great. <laughs> kind of get both both the east. You, you got to get both both versions of your siblings guide out to be able to. I know. I know. <laughs> Well, thankfully, now that we've got Merlin, we don't even need to, to, oh, I, to go into the to the Sibley guys, just all in one big North American. Yeah, Merlin has been like a game changer for, for us, for not just traveling the States, but like like outside of COVID years, when we're traveling internationally, like you just right. download download a pack for an area. Yeah. And you use it as a field guide. It's just like... Yeah, we pretty much only buy like field guides as like souvenirs at this point. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. And I was full of them, but not, we don't, we don't, yeah, but we don't use them. Yeah. Like I pull my siblings out every once in a while just to kind of look at the great pictures because he's such a great artist. But, mm -hmm. you know, as far as taking it with me to actually use on a birding day, you know, I don't think anybody really does that anymore. Yeah. I don't really see very many people carry him around with them. It's just so much more convenient to have technology. It is. <laughs> it is. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, so um, throughout this this whole uh, quest for 300, what have you guys learned about yourselves or maybe about your relationship during this time? I don't know. I, I just, I've developed a more love for the outdoors, if that's even possible. It's just been really fun to like hang out with my dad, just like and not be doing like school stuff or anything like that. So have you been doing school virtually? No, actually, um, I go to a small private school, so we were able to go back to school. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So, but I I bet this helps a lot with like your science um, education. You know, talking about like the habitats and ecosystems, it really brings it to life, doesn't it? Right. Right. Yeah. And it helps you memorize, like, learn your Latin, all your bino <laughs> binomial names. You're studying all that. I, I haven't I haven't started using the the, the Latin terms just, terms just yet. We were out looking at uh, loons last weekend, uh, and um, and so you know I haven't started hitting the way. Hey, there's some gavia we got to go start looking for. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, but you can learn learn different uh, areas of the body, like the, the mandible and oh the supercilium. And that's true. You, you, that's you, true. you learn the fancy little words. She just saw. Um, the um oh what was the bird we just saw in the wind it's got the the supercilium the stripe over the eye oh my gosh yeah the one looks like a robin the thrush the very thrush and that's got a yeah that's got a great supercilium yeah so coach what have you learned about yourself and you know maybe about your daughter during this whole thing um you know, it's been fun for me because a lot of the birds that she's seeing, um, even though, you know, a majority of them aren't lifers for me, um, it's been fun because many I haven't seen in years. And so it's been fun to kind of relive those birds, you know, through her and with her. Um, and so I found that, um, you know, I just, I've, I've, I've reaffirmed my love with birding through being able to share, you know, some time with her. Um, and I've learned that um, I wasn't as good a birder as I thought I was maybe five or six years ago. So by um, birding with her, it's allowed me to um, be better with my IDs and looking at field marks and habitat and all of those, you know, the little things, the intangibles that we sometimes forget about. So it's been great, um, you know, becoming a better birder and, and learning that I wasn't, wasn't that great a birder, you know, <laughs> a few years back. And so I've gotten to be a better birder by, by being able to, you know, share this with her. Um, and I've become a little bit better ear birder as well. Um, because I try to, you know, play some sounds while we're in the car driving somewhere and, hey, this is what we're looking for because this might be a bird we might not see right away. Uh, like today's winter wren, we heard it first. We didn't see it first, but, you know, that chattery, you know, we both knew right away, oh, that's got to be a wren because of the way it yeah. sounds. Um, and so, um, you know, it's, 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 it's been fun. You know, I've, I've, I've learned, um, 
you know, how to teach others to be birders um, through teaching her. Yeah, that's a great skill to have. It's, you know, not everybody can can teach others to go birding. There's definitely a lot of people that I've met that are terrible bird teachers. <laughs> <laughs> they might they might be great birders, but trying to teach someone to bird or trying to show people things, just not uh, not a great descriptor. <laughs> I know a lot of times I'm a terrible bird I'm, teacher. It's oh like, gosh, it's yeah. a very thrush because it is one. <laughs> <laughs> but so what, one thing you were saying about realizing that you weren't, weren't as good a birder as you thought you were, I really feel like that's something that I've realized like over years, like I've noticed you have a perceived level of your skill and it, it goes up as, as you, as you get better and better at birding. But then at a certain point, like um, with you going out with your daughter and like when you, when you, if you guide somebody or something, you start realizing like, wait a minute, your perceived level is still, you, you might get, be getting better, but your perceived level all of a sudden starts dropping really quickly. Cause you're like, <laughs> wait a minute. I, I thought I knew this. I thought I knew that. No, I don't actually know all of this other stuff. The second somebody asks you a question and you're yeah. like, what? Well, yeah, uh, I don't know that. Yeah. Once you're put on the spot and you have to answer it, it's like, oh, <laughs> actually maybe I don't know what I'm right. talking about with this. <laughs> which is okay though it's oh, you absolutely. know it's yeah. always it's always best to say you don't know if you don't know and i think Perfect. you know as birders sometimes we you know we don't want to do that because we want to be right all the time but it's okay to be wrong and you know and i've been wrong and we've had some laughs with it a few weeks ago we went looking at us for surf scoping mm-hmm. and i was looking at um a duck off in the distance and I'm thinking, oh, that's it. That's it right there. And she's going, where are you looking? That's not the beak that you described to me in, in the picture you showed me in the car. I'm not, and I'm going, no, that's got to be it right there. And then about 15 seconds later, I turn my head left, and, and there's the scoter. Biggest day, huge beak. And I go, oh, yeah, there it is. And she goes, yeah, that's what I've been looking at. <laughs> so you know you just you kind of gotta laugh and it's like yeah yeah dad's wrong sometimes you know? <laughs> oh well it's part of birding you're not gonna learn if you're not you know willing to be wrong oh absolutely <laughs> so besides that what has been the most difficult bird to identify or what was the tar- the hardest target bird for you guys to find oh well you want to tell them about today's uh miss Oh, with the um, black black throated green. Right, yeah. We could not find that one. Um, and then when we were thinking it was about to come out, uh, Cooper's hawk came over. So you know oh, no. that kind of eliminated the chances of being seen. <laughs> yeah, it's it's you know, uh, we, you know, we we're feeling lucky because we got the Tennessee warbler and the and the winter wren, and we stopped on the way home to look for this black throated green and. Um, there was a few other birders that we know that were out looking for it, and someone had seen it about 20 minutes before, and um, it just would not come back out. And then when the Cooper's hawk came over, um, I thought, well, that that's going to end our chances. Even the the chickadees went away when the Cooper's hawk, and he perched in the tree right where the the bird had been seen, and just stayed there for about 20 minutes. And I thought, he, we're not going to get this bird. Um, <laughs> but that was, you know, I don't know what nemesis bird that she had for a while that we just couldn't get. I'm trying to think. And that's been the, the, oh, well, yeah, I guess the prairie falcon was because we had looked multiple times with the prairie falcon. And at one point, I remember one time we got out of the car on kind of a busy, you know, side of the highway type of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, 
And I'm looking at this bird thinking, that's it, that's it, that's it. And it turned out to be just a, another uh, Swainson's hawk. Um, but, um, but so, yeah, that one was actually a tough one because I think, you know, we went four or five different places, you know, over a few weeks kind of looking. And then, of course, you know, as it happens sometimes with birding, you know, we're out for the golden plover and we get out of the car and right over us flies the prairie falcon. Just like, oh, I've been here waiting for you guys to show up for weeks. <laughs> That's uh, ne Nemesis birds are always, I feel like they're always like that. You're looking, 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 and then you're like, all right, well, I got to go find something else. You go find something else, and then ne the Nemesis shows up. It's like, oh, there it yeah, is, or, finally. Or you, and then, or you finally get your Nemesis, and then for the next three or four weeks, it's all you see. It's <laughs> like, oh, my gosh, I've been looking for weeks or years, and now that's <laughs> all I see. It's everywhere I go now that I see it. <laughs> that's, I'm hoping that for a northern trike soon for us. Like, I... We've been look, looking and looking and looking, and it's been like a year that it's been our nemesis. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I think as soon as we see it, it's going to be on every single fence post from from here to the end of the state. See, I'm just at the point where I'm like giving up on it, and if I give up on it, then it's going to be all over the place, you know. Some and kind that's, of karmic. That's thing. one that that's one that we're looking for for her too. She's got the loggerhead, and um, as a matter of fact, a good friend of mine saw um, strikes today. And, and I'm, you know, you look at the rare bird alerts, you know, every day and every day there's one or two that's popping up and I'm going, why are we not seeing this bird? And so <laughs> I've, I've taken your approach, Hannah, is I've just kind of given up. I'm, we're not going out to look for it. We're just going to go out and bird and it'll show up when it shows up. And that's what I always think about, like, rare birds when they show up. It's like, if we don't go chase it, you know, it might be like a European bird that shows up. It's like, I'd, I think I'd rather see it in Europe where it belongs or something right. like that. Like, I don't want to go chase this bird, waste all this time for that. I'm going to go see a bunch of them and get really good looks so you, at them. You, you don't want to go chase that common potchard up in uh, up in Canada right no, now? No, no, not at all. <laughs> <either. laughs> so how do you guys decide what your targets are going to be? I just use her daily needs list. Um, you know, I like you were saying earlier, you know, Merlin and eBird has just changed the face of birding. Um, and it's made it a lot easier. And since, you know, most of the stuff that she's seeing isn't a lifer for me, then I just keep her daily needs list, you know, up on my phone. And um, so on the days that I'm gonna decide the bird, you know, I just check her daily needs and I go, oh, well, you know, this is what she needs for, um, you know, for today. And, and this is what's been seen. And so we'll kind of go, um, you know, looking for that particular bird. Um, you know, we try to stay within about a half hour um, from home when we can. Um, just because now with school, you know, I try not to, to bird her to death. Um, <laughs> and so... Um, well, you've got other other subjects to study too, not just birds, right? Now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like I said to someone a little while ago, you know, birding can't be your entire life. Uh, you know, I love it, but you know, there's other things that I love to do as well. Um, and so, you know, that's normally what we do is I just check her needs list and I go, ah, uh, you know, this is what's been been seen, and and you know, it's even fun, more fun when um, it's something that you know is kind of rare or shouldn't be here, like the buried thrush and the Tennessee warbler. That's you know kind of late, um, and and you know we just lucked out that the both were close. I mean, 20 minutes from the house, and so that's what we went for today. 
Yeah, you guys don't have many warblers left this time of year, right? Just like orange no. crowns and that's about it? <laughs> no, and I, even the orange crowns are gone. Our, yeah. our orange crowns are all gone. Yeah, they've been gone um, for a few weeks now. I haven't seen one for quite a few weeks. Um, so when the Tennessee showed up, I thought, man, this will, this will be our last warbler of the year. And then a, a, a late, Halfway through you know, November. <laughs> yeah, halfway through November. Yeah, then the black throated green today as well. But um, yeah, we missed that by about 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, well, but you got goes. good you got good looks at the Cooper's Hawk, though. That's true. That's true. And, you know, it, which is cool is, you know, I was telling her the story a few weeks back when we were driving together somewhere to the bird. You know, I said, I knew you were going to be a good birder, or at least you were going to like it, because she was about five years old. And we were driving in the car, and she looks out the window, and she goes, look, Dad, there's an owl. And there was an, a great horned owl at the top of this tree, like way off in the distance, you know, like, how did you see that? And she's always had just such a great eye for picking stuff out um, in nature. And um, and so, like, today we were out birding, and, you know, I'm staring at this bush, and, and there's some geese that are flying by. And she goes, huh, that geese looks, you know, um, suspiciously white. And I go, what are you talking about? And I kind of look up, and sure enough, there's this one snow goose with about, you know, 40 different... Um, you know, Canada's flying by. And so, you know, she sees stuff like that. And, and that's awesome. And, and so, um, and lots of muskrats. She loves muskrats. She sees muskrats everywhere we go. She ain't looked at there's another muskrat. And I'm like, where are you seeing muskrats? Right there. So she just got that eye. And, and that's, you know, that's awesome that, you know, she has that ability. So what do you want to do when you grow up? Um, you know, I still plan to kind of like work with animals. Um, I was thinking about pursuing botany, which is the study of plants, or or marine bo botany, which is the study of underwater plants, or marine biology in general. But you know, mostly staying in like you know the outside kind of thing. I don't want to be refined to the office. Well, that's really cool. It sounds like this is a great way to help you, you know, learn more and and go on your way to doing that sort of thing. That's really cool. So, um. Uh, well, I, I, I oh. wanted to ask real quick, okay. uh, Peyton. Do you do you remember the great horned owl story from your perspective? Definitely not. No? Okay. <laughs> She's just spotting America like that. <laughs> There's too too many spots to remember that one. Yeah, yeah, and she was, I mean, like I said, she was about five years old. Yeah. So that's been so long ago, and it was, I think, I think it was more for me. It was a moment where I was like, wow, I see that she has an ability. Um, you know, she just got that natural eye for picking stuff out. Um, we were out, you know, back earlier in the spring and I had been looking for one of my nemesis was American three-toed woodpecker. Mm -hmm. And we were hiking at this new place that I'd never been. I took her and her brother for a hike and we were birding while, you know, we were hiking and, and I'm looking at this hairy woodpecker and she's like, well, what's the one, you know, right next to it? And I'm like, what, what are you talking about? I don't see another woodpecker. Sure enough, just a few feet away was American three-toed, and I completely missed it, just missed it. I just, my eye did not see it, but she picked it out, and I was like, oh, you just found me a lifer. Like, awesome. <laughs> so do you think birding is something that you'll probably do for the rest of your life? Oh, definitely. I don't plan to ever stop. Do you try to get your friends into it? No, not really. I don't think that's the thing they would enjoy, but, you know, I'd enjoy it. Um, yeah, it's, it's been fun. I mean, you know, she, you know, 
she could tell me a year from now that, you know, all right, I'm done birding. And, and then that would be fine. Um, because, you know, we got to share some, some fun times and, you know, you never want to make your kids do something. So, you know, the fact that she is, you know, thinking right now that, you know, this is something that I want to continue to do, then, you know, that's awesome because as she goes, grows older, um, you know, it's something that she'll be able to call me up and say, come on, dad, get out of the house. Let's go and, and do something together. Grab your binoculars. And, and she's got a great start. Um, we ran into some friends today and, and one of the guys goes, every time I see you guys show up, I know we're going to find the bird because she's <laughs> such a good luck charm. And, and he goes, and if, I, if ever I'm looking for a bird that I can't find, I'm texting you guys and I'm just going to say, bring Peyton because the bird will be there when she shows up. And, and he goes, I mean, he says, you know, 20 years from now, your life list is going to be fantastic because, you know, your first six months, you're over 300. Um, and so that's the part that I'm excited about because, you know, we can start as she gets older, taking some trips together and some pelagic, like I need a lot of pelagic birds. Um, and so, you know, we can do destinations together, which will, will be fun. Um, because then we'll both be getting new birds and, and experience in a different part of the country or world. Yeah, she's going to catch up to you real soon and probably surpass you. And yeah, she is. <laughs> she is. I mean, she's she's three oh nine for the year. I'm three sixty seven for the year. And yeah. and then I thought about that. And I was like, if you would have started back in you know January, you know you'd be right there with me at you know close to four hundred for the year. And that that's just that's amazing. Um, that she's been able to get this far. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's been fun. I, I only wish that I had a mentor when I started 25 years ago. Um, and, and it's, you know, it's made me want to um, work with a lot of, of, you know, the young people in my school district and, and see if I can start some type of birding program that where I can take some, you know, young kids out and um, and, you know, just be kind of a mentor for them, um, yeah. you know, get them early. Um, but, you know, it, it really helps to have someone on your side that kind of has been there. Um, so you don't have to struggle as hard. Um, and so, you know, it's just, it's, 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 it's been a fun year, fun year. Yeah, well, and in encouraging you on, I mean, that's something huge in beginner birders. We're uh, part of the birding co-op, and we do have a lot of conversations about community and the birding co-op and how we can, you know, facilitate community and how we can help, like, these beginner birders, you know, not drop off because they're not getting the support that they need. And so definitely something like that is would be super beneficial to like these beginner birders that don't have somebody telling them like you're doing a good job and it's hard you know yeah but you need to persist (laughs) well and and introducing people to the community of birding so like the community throughout colorado i'm sure you know a significant number of birders at least within your region of colorado if not the whole state that that you when you bring you bring a new birder in you'd be like oh you go out to a site and it's oh hey and you introduce everyone to everyone and let let the new birders know there is a community. There is a large group of people, even though they're not tight, they're not real close together and talking face to face all the time. They're right. out there all doing the same thing. Yeah. And, you know, it's great because I get texts, you know, from close birding friends that say, hey, I was at so-and-so this morning. Um, you know, there's this there. And, and they'll even ask, does Peyton need this? And I'll be like, oh, you know what? She does. Like, you know, I've got friends who text me a few weeks ago. Hey, there's a Dunlin at the state park down the street. Does she have it? And I was like, no, 
And, you know, so it's great to have that type of community um, that's there just to support. Um, mm-hmm. And and then, you know, like you said, they're, they're, they're out there. You know, we might, might not be face-to-face all the time, but we do keep in, in contact with one another. Um, and it's great to show up to a spot and start seeing the same faces and the same people, and then you start to recognize, and they know you and you know them. And, and you know, it's, just, it's, it's a wonderful community. It's a wonderful community to have. And, and for the most part, birders are just fantastic people. They really are. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So, uh, Peyton, do you have a next uh, a next goal for this? Now, now that now that you've blown away three hundred, yeah, it's, right. <laughs> it's it's destroyed. Now, mo- moving on to the next uh, next goal, next number. Uh, what's- yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I'm just kind of like see how many I can get before you know December thirty first. Yeah. Do you have any places in you know anywhere in the world or birds anywhere in the world that you'd want to see? Alaska. Mm. that's definitely on the list one day get, get some, yeah, uh, it, some ptarmigans and stuff up there oh yeah yeah, yeah and I, I i haven't been in 20 years and so um you know that that would be that would be a great destination um you know we've got we've got a list um you know of course the rio Grande valley is on the list um oregon yeah oh, i'm telling you guys <laughs> Every day as I'm, you know, you know, you ponder birding every day. And I can tell you that I am just loving the people that I'm interacting with, you know, through social media um, from Oregon. And every day I just go, you know what, I'm going to Oregon first before I go anywhere else um, because of, of the people. And, and that's really what it's about for me. It's, it's not about necessarily the destination. It's, it's the people. And um, I've loved some of the people that I've been able to interact with, um, you know, through this whole social media thing. Just, you know, so some wonderful, wonderful people. And, um, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, as, you know, hopefully things, you know, turn for the better with, with COVID, um, then we can start to, to get out a lot more and, and, and be together that I can start to meet, you know, some of these people here and there, because I think that would just be an awesome experience to be able to to physically, you know, bird and, and meet and spend time with some of these amazing people that I've met, you know, over social media. Well, gosh, guys, it's been so wonderful to talk to you. How can people find out more about um, your, well, your quest for 300, which you've surpassed <laughs> at this point, and, um, you know, all your wonderful videos and everything that you guys post? Um, I mean, of course, you know, Twitter is, is, you know, I am on Instagram, but I don't, I don't use Instagram as much for my birding stuff as I do Twitter. So, you know, my Twitter, um, you know, coach pack at cue the track coach. Um, we are working on a, um, a website and a kind of a blog, um, uh, about, about a month or so ago, I sent out a request to just some people that follow me on Twitter and said, Hey, I'm working on something. Give me some feedback. And, um, I sent uh, some stuff out to uh, people that said, hey, I'll, 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 you know, I'll read what you've gotten. Um, they gave me some great feedback. And so I'm working on putting that together um, so that I can actually keep track of what we're doing because it's hard to kind of keep track of things in Twitter. You know, once you've got so many tweets, you can't scroll through. And, um, and so I'm, I'm working on that, that blog and website. So uh, as, soon as, uh, as soon as I've got it kind of up and running to where I want it, then... Um, you know, of course, I'll be I'll be tweeting that out for people to hop on and and be able to kind of follow along because um, I like to write a lot more um, 
than the videos that we shoot. And so I'm more of a, more of a writer. Um, and so, you know, tell it though, from your videos, you're, you're, you like to be in front of the camera. You yeah, get, your both of you guys like to be in front of the camera. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's fun. It is fun for, I mean, she's a, you know, she's a theater person. Um, and you know, she does a lot of, of plays and that type of stuff. And, and so she is used to performing and, and, you know, as, you know, working in the field of education, I'm used to, you know, being in front of kids and, and as a coach being in front of, you know, my athletes. And so, you know, there is a sense of, you know, performance in that where, you know, mm-hmm. you've got to kind of own the floor for a moment or two um, to get your message across. But, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's, you know, I love the social media. It's, it's a lot of fun, but, um, but, you know, like I said, we got to figure out a way to keep track of all this journey and, yeah. and who knows, maybe, you know, 10 years down the road, she'll write a book about it. <laughs> well, I would read that. And I will read your blogs when you guys get that all posted up and keep watching your videos. Awesome. 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 And, and then, like I said, we'll keep, we'll keep listening to Hannah and Eric overting. It's, <laughs> it's been great so far. Well, well thank, thank you guys so much. It's been great, you know, talking with you. And I, yeah, like I said, I look forward to seeing what your next goal is and when you finally get to Alaska and you guys will have to come out to Oregon and we'll go, we'll take you on a pelagic and we'll go see some of those cool species. Awesome. Awesome. That sounds like a plan. So thank you so much, Coach and Peyton, for joining us for this episode. Um, Like we said, you know, in the intro, we think it's super cool that, you know, you guys are out there birding together and, you know, you have a goal and you're meeting that goal and exceeding it. Yeah. Which is... Well, and and getting to spend time with your daughter. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, That's that's a lot of time that's that's very... I think it's exciting and beneficial and happy and I don't know what other words I'm looking for there but but I, th- but I think it's great that he's he's spending so much time you sound like a robot like what other human what, emotions there's other human emotions involved <laughs> well and you know like like I was saying you know I played softball and some of the happiest memories I have with my dad are you know out on the softball field at seven o'clock in the morning on a Saturday mm-hmm. and you know I'm sure coach and his daughter have that same thing but you know because COVID yeah. Um, they translated that into birding and found another activity that they could do together. Yeah. Um, and it just so happens that coach is a, a great mentor for her, you know, because he's been doing this for years and years and years. It's not necessarily that like they're learning it together, but he can help, um, you know, overcome some of those barriers that she might face as a beginner. Yeah. So thank you guys so much for joining us. It was just a ton of fun to talk with you. And I look forward to, you know, going out and birding with you sometime. Like I said, we'll go on a pelagic together. Yeah. Or, um, or you can come up here and look at puffins at the very and least. And then go on a pelagic. And then go on a pelagic. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll take, I'll, I'll get my scopolamine patches again. <laughs> I just and we'll, and we'll get out there. <laughs> so um, thank you all for listening to our podcast. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it and or learned something new. Please, please, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Music i podcasts that's not a thing is it? <laughs> no it's apple podcast no i know it's apple pod. i was just thinking i was just trying to make up <laughs> another one pod chaser pod chaser there we go <laughs> so in anywhere the podcast can be found you can listen to us everywhere you can ask alexa to play us but if we're, we're all whatever you, you know how to find us anyways you can connect with us on the socials um please follow us at hannah goes birding and eric goes birding hannah with an h eric with a k on instagram and you can follow us on twitter at we go birding our facebook page hannah and eric go birding you can also email us at hannanerickgobirding at gmail.com or check out our website, www.gobirdingpodcast.com. Tell us what you like, tell us what you hated, and just share us with your friends. <laughs>